You're listening to the Scaling Culture Podcast, where we sit down with thought leaders who share their experiences building incredible workplace cultures. Our guest today is Stephen Pierce, Deputy Managing Director and Chief HR Officer of Hitachi Europe. He has led HR and international businesses for more than 30 years. He's been recognized publicly for business leadership, including being appointed a companion of the Chartered Management Institute and being voted one of UK's most influential HR leaders for a number of years. Stephen is a board director of Hitachi Europe and a member of the executive committee. He's also chair of the Hitachi European Diversity and Inclusion Council. He is an advisor to several HR networking organizations and a regular speaker at conferences and a coach and mentor. In this episode of Scaling Culture, Ron and Steven discuss Hitachi's organizational culture with 350,000 leaders globally and the changes they went through during the pandemic. How does the Japanese heritage impact culture at work? digitization, virtual workplaces, and a new way of working, and how HR loves rules and when you need to throw out the rule book. Welcome to another episode of the Scaling Culture Podcast. I'm your host, Ron Lovett, and today, all the way from the UK, we've got Stephen Pierce, Deputy Managing Director and Human Resource Officer at Hitachi Europe. Stephen, welcome. Thank you very much, Ron. I'm excited to um, I'm excited to dive into some conversation with you because you know I one I've been a Hitachi fan for a long time I think you I think did Hitachi used to make like VHSs way back in the day mm, that's right, right? yeah every, everybody that, you know says I once had a Hitachi TV or or CD right. player or whatever yeah that's right that's right and so there's a lot of history with me and mm. the brand and I think with with a lot of people in the brand and so it was so I'm just I, I, it's been around for how many years. How long has Hitachi been So around? Hitachi was founded in 1910 in a mine wow. in Japan. So it started in a very small scale. The first product was a five horsepower motor. And now it's one of the world's biggest, most successful companies. So it's a truly um, astonishing story um, of success and growth and change. Uh, and, and culture is all part of that, of course. Well, I'm excited to dive into the culture. But before we do that, we've done a formal uh, overview of your background. But let's dive in a little more. So Stephen, you know, I know we you had mentioned to me you were one of the lucky ones who got an HR early and found your kind of uh, purpose and passion. But tell us more, high level. What's bring us through the ride of of Stephen Pierce? Sure. No, thanks, Ron. So yeah, I left university thinking, what what do I do with my life? Um, as everybody kind of does at that point, uh, and I was lucky enough to talk to some friends who said uh, what HR entails. I thought that sounds great, and I worked in various. Um, businesses kind of as a student so it found my purpose really my direction working uh, on that connection between people and business which I've done through different organizations um, through the last 30 or more years um, they've been in different sectors but they've all had sort of an industrial engineering uh, kind of focus uh, and um, over the last 25 years that have been international uh, so it, I think once you work internationally and you focus on, on, on the world beyond your own country, it just gives you that broader view and you never want to go back to the way you were before. So I joined Hitachi in 2008 uh, and um, uh, through that time, I, I've, I've done various roles with different responsibilities. Right now, um, I'm the deputy MD, so supporting a Japanese colleague who, who leads Hitachi Europe, um, but also chief HR officer um, for Hitachi Europe too. So truly dynamic company, which has changed a lot in my time there that I'm sure we'll talk about. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I'm fascinated on the, and I love that you said, you know, 
once you went uh, global, I'll call it with some global expert um, experience, you would you didn't want to go back, right? And and I feel like when you say that, you're talking about <clears throat> the changes that you've made, as well as just the complexity on that, and, and really enjoying it. Is that would that be correct? Yeah, that's right. I think it's the diversity of opinion and views you get, and you realize just how you know, how, how different the world is, and actually how much you can learn from other people. Uh, and, and how connecting people globally gives you a much better outcome, um, as well as you say that the, the, the complexity is just is, is, is so interesting and, and so enjoyable to, 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 to work through, because we have so much that we, unites us. And I found that kind of traveling around um, that, that, that as people, we have so much that connects us. We often talk about uh, other countries and their differences, but actually focusing on, on what's the same is, is in one sense even more rewarding because as people we have the same issues we have we want to achieve many of the same things we want to do the right thing the best things for our families we want to be good good employees good good friends we want to we want to make sure that we can provide for those around us you know the the, the challenges at work and so on are, are pretty similar and, and um, so as people globally we have so much that, that unites us as well as of course some cultural differences and and differences in the places that we live you know, I talk about a, a mentor and friend of mine, a gentleman by the name of John Risley, a very successful international entrepreneur. And when I go and talk to him about challenges I'm having, I always say, like, he sees five moves ahead, you know, because he's done international business. He's he, He's got all the things that you're talking about. He's he's understood things from a very different perspective and seen how things work globally versus just in our, our, our microeconomy. You know, so I've always been inspired by that. And with my real estate company, we actually just got back from a, a, a trade mission to Nigeria where we're looking at expanding there. And I, and I get really excited about international business because I, I couldn't agree more. Even doing business across the country of Canada gives you very different people, very different perspectives. What, what You know, other than, Stephen, having, you know, diverse thought, diverse point of view, what else was one thing that, what, did your belief change? What, what was an aha moment as you went to the international stage of HR? What was the big like, wow, I had no idea? Um, I, I think it's it just how differently we come at the same questions. You know, you, you kind of, you talk in your own, in our own lives about common sense, well, kind of that's kind of maybe what we share with those immediately around us. But actually, others can come at questions quite differently and what's important to them might be quite different from what's important to us. And recognizing actually that, that there's more more than one way to achieve the outcome you're looking for, and actually what you want to achieve may not be exactly aligned with 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 somebody else because they're starting from a different place, you know their background their 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 situation is different, um, and and that um, kind of where we are today shapes where we want to go to next, and it, we can't necessarily assume everybody's where we are. So it's that recognition really. It's in a sense it's a it brings you a sense of humility because you realize that actually there's so much you don't know um, and you've got so much to learn because suddenly the, your scope for learning goes from beyond where you are to, to the, the, the huge diversity and um, the, the, uh, the number of opportunities um, and, 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 and people you can connect with around the world rather than just closer to home. And, you know, and I want to dig into the, 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 the foundation of the culture, but just just as we're here, I'm I'm curious, you know, when I look at at one of the challenges in building a you know high performing culture, I think of the human element, and what I mean by that is that you have to treat everybody well. Not you have to, but but your communication style changes 
as you talk to people. Well, that that at your level gets more complex again, right? It gets way more complex because now you have these, you know, different cultures coming together that that there's this ingrained culture or, or, or ingrained way to communicate based on their culture or belief systems. How, how do you get through that? I mean, there, when you deal with folks from around the world, you must have to really get onboarded to their culture and understand it before you go in and start communicating, get it all wrong, because that's how we communicate in North America. T tell me about that. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I think there has to be a, 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 in all of the with all the people we work with in different places, just a, an acceptance that we don't all do things the same way. And, and I mean, I, I give an example. When I joined Itachi in 2008, I went to Japan for the first time, uh, which is an amazing country. It's extraordinary. I've been there more than 30 times now. Uh, and, and every time it's just you know, it's, it's great to learn more and understand more. Um, but of course, the, the way that business is conducted there, it can be different. And, so, and the way that relationships are, are developed can be a little different. Um, and, and it's just uh, when, when I went there, I realized that, but also just how gracious everybody was and accepting that I didn't get it from, from the beginning because that wasn't my background. And, and that sort of understanding and, and graciousness with each other to say, actually, OK, you're different from me, but it doesn't mean that you're any better, worse or you're not wrong or, or, or whatever. It's just accepting those those differences um, to to recognize that actually we what unites us, as I mentioned earlier, is, is stronger than what what separates us. But actually, you know, the fact that you're different doesn't make you wrong. And, Absolutely. Um, and, and and the fact that I was accepted for my, you know, the, the fact that I was a, a Brit going into Japan, but actually the the uh, the, the huge organization we have there, you know, the, the people I met have been fantastic. And I've got some good friends in Japan um, and we catch up when we go, when we meet up and, you know, it's, it's, um, it doesn't matter where you come from. It, it's who you are and how you behave and how you connect with people that makes the difference. How do you, how does Hitachi um, balance centralization versus decentralization because when you're that you know diverse into different countries etc um you know you you would think that it would be tough to be centralized and say you know from a centralized environment here's what you're going to do because that's what hitachi does is there a balance and what is the right balance yeah i mean that that's a real key question and it's a question i think that all big organizations ask themselves all the time because on the one hand you want to be centralized with in key areas at the same time, you recognize that people need freedom to make decisions and to do the right thing for their business. And Itachi is such a diverse organization you know, in, in such a range of sectors from sort of energy to, to mobility, trains, um, uh, automotive systems, digital systems and services. You know, they have different, they're in different sectors with different customers, uh, with different requirements, with different strategies. So you've got to give people the freedom to run their business and own their business. So you then say, okay, what should be in common? And, and I think there are some key HR processes that you need to share about talent and how you develop talent and how you share talent in the organization. But I think the fundamentals that, 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 that we all need to share come back to our, our vision, our values, our mission. Because fundamentally, we can do things differently depending on where we work, what part of the company we work in. But but it's that's the, the vision, the values are who we are, you know. And we need to we need to define that centrally. We need to agree that centrally. And in Itachi, because it's 112 years old, you know, those have been long-standing to say actually this is this is how we're going to behave. This is how we're going to do business, because people might meet somebody from Itachi from a different country or a different division, but fundamentally. They should be adhering to the same values because that's about who we are, not what we are. 
I, I like that. You know, I, I think, uh, you know, in my, in my business and I, you know, I always think, look, if we're, we should be centralizing the, the, the support systems process guidance and sometimes check and balance. But other than that, give the menu to the local management, to local individuals to make their own decision. Let's get out of the way, but at least guide them to, um, to make those decisions easier. You know, mm-hmm. that's what we've tried to find the balance. And, and then I think of like supplies, you know, um, we were having this debate not too long ago. So in my real estate company today, Vita, you know, should we be buying hardwood floors in bulk from Asia and import them? And we know we've, we've got the same floor and we've got continuity. And then we kind of had two, two thoughts. One was, I don't know if our customer cares. I don't know if, if, if you and I are living in the same, you know, building and my flooring is light brown and yours is darker brown and I go over for a cup of tea, I don't think I give a darn. I just don't think it's important. So that was one. We overthought it and didn't talk to the customer. Two was if we did that, uh, I was afraid of if we centralized to that extent, I was afraid that we would then become an asset manager of new assets. We now need to warehouse these things and truck them around and and it, we would lose the flexibility of supporting the local business. Uh, you know, if our, our local manager in the area knew that uh, Sarah at the hardware store, they had a relationship and, and there was a, a a sale of a product on Friday, they could just go scoop that up and take it. You know, it was probably even going to be cheaper than what we were getting from China because it was the Friday get rid of it sale. What, what are your thoughts? Are we thinking about it properly? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think it's important to find the opportunities where it makes sense to share around particularly where you get cost efficiency for, for, from doing that um, and and some elements of standardization where it makes sense to do it I mean another great example is IT systems you know the, the, if you don't have the same platforms you can't communicate as easily you know right. we, we've we've been implementing the same HR platform um, over the last seven or eight years to try to standardize that so that you have your, all your people data in one place and it's in the same format and it can be shared um, and, and communicated easily. So, kind of, there are certain areas. Co-location is another one. You know, why why have two or three offices in the same city when you could be in the same office? Because you get cost efficiency, but also you get that benefit of people being in the same place and, and connecting, and that helps you drive innovation because you have people chatting at the coffee machine, sharing right. information. You think, hey, that's a great idea. I never thought of that. You know, and you don't do that if you're sitting. A mile away, the other side of the the city centre, or, or whatever. So I think I think opportunistically, it's good to connect um, people in that way and find opportunities to to share. Same with some back office services, you know, beyond IT. And again, we try and do elements of that. We are doing elements of that, but it isn't it isn't um, centralised in the sense that it's it's a, it's a diktat from HQ to say you must do that. We try to find the right ways to do it, to get the businesses to buy in, to, to recognize the value of connecting together, working together, um, as well as delivering on their own particular strategy for their own particular sector. Got it. Let, let, let's go back to, uh, um, you know, I'm curious about, so it's 100 plus years old, 110? 110 112, old yeah, yeah. 112. Give me the original story. Founded from a Japanese family or what, what was the original starting point? The starting point was a guy called Mr. Odera who worked in a mine um, in Hitachi City uh, in Japan. Oh, Hitachi is uh, a city. I didn't know it right. was a city. Yeah, it is. Ah. Yeah. Uh, and he uh, was working in a mine and, and he sort of had that light bulb moment where he said, why do we import so much of our technology? Uh, and he set up a business. Uh, and I mentioned earlier that the first product was a five horsepower motor. 
Uh, and then there was a recognition that kind of there's more we could do and gradually that build up over time um, into to, uh, to, to become a much bigger Japanese company and then moving globally uh, over the, the, the following hundred years or whatever. Um, so yeah, it started, it started from very modest beginnings. Um, but interestingly, back to the culture piece really and the, the, the vision and values that the, the, the vision and the mission at that time were very similar to today, which was that Hitachi wants to contribute to society through innovation fundamentally. That's what it's about to say, actually the world changes and we need to keep innovating to ensure that we can help society contribute to society it's kind of trying to it's doing good it's about trying to do the right thing and doing good right. and then the, the the values that that kind of went with that um the the, the three values are again the same 100 years later which are in i'll give you kind of the english translation i, I, couldn't, yeah, I couldn't pronounce the japanese but um that harmony is the is the first one which is about showing respect to all those around us um, whether they're our colleagues or suppliers um our clients customers other stakeholders uh, and, and through showing respect to earn respect, really. And, and in doing that, listening to other people's views, um, recognizing that we don't have all the answers ourselves, and that gives us a stronger team um, by doing it. The, the second is, is called sincerity, which perhaps is, is, is slightly different from the way we might understand it in, in English. But it's really about integrity in everything we do, um, because our reputation is, is, is really founded on how we do business and how we seem to do business. And there's a great line um, in, in, in what people, what, what's on the website, whatever, how more people read about this, which is that, that right and wrong is more important than profit and loss. And I love that because it says that we should always do the right thing. And of course, for reputation, we all know that reputations take years to build and moments to lose because of doing the wrong thing. So, so that's, so the second is sincerity and the third is pioneering spirit, which I think makes a lot of sense in English. You know, it's about innovation. It's always saying, you finding new approaches to um, entering new sectors, finding ways to, to do good by innovation. And that's always been a key part of, I guess what attracts people to Itachi as well as what, what keeps people in the organization, keeps us all engaged and, and focused. So, so two things, one, we, we just upgraded our, our values three months ago, you know, we constantly do that. If someone, you know, if someone exhibits behavior that, that really wasn't captured in our values and they left, we will update our values or vice versa. Someone exhibits incredible behavior and we didn't capture it. We want to screen for that and onboard to it and, and lean into it. We'll, we'll upgrade. And one of the things we, we had a, a situation not too long ago. And so we use similar language to what you did ish, or at least it prompted me to, that, that, um, that said, you know, we do the right thing, even when no one's watching. Uh, and it reminds me of what you said about, uh, sure, you know, sure. balancing the right decisions with profits, essentially that that wins. Um, but I was, I was curious on based on the Japanese heritage, I was making some notes as you were talking, the one I was looking for, like, where is it different? Where would this feel different than a North American or, Euro, you know, European country, uh, company, I should say, sorry. And and so I want you to answer that question is, if you're in the, that company, how does it feel different? Because the, the word that stuck out to me as you talk was harmony. I don't hear that a lot. I know you had said, look, that is kind of our, maybe, you know, it could mean respect. You, you talked about that, but right. harmony is different. You don't hear about harmony in company values. Is that is is there a difference there? The way that that harmony is brought to life in the company, if you if you were an employee there on a day to day basis, and how does it feel? How would it feel different from the um, 
How does the Japanese heritage make it different from a North American company? What would it feel like day to day if I worked at, I don't know, Sony, and then I moved to Hitachi? What, what would it, what are the fundamental difference based on the Japanese heritage that you would think? Yeah, the, the way I sometimes explain that the, the, the cultural difference that I've seen, Ron, in, 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 in working in a Japanese company, having worked in American companies before, and indeed European, is, is some of the decision-making processes, because you know, Harmony talks about getting the opinions of people across the organization. It doesn't matter where you are, what level you are, um, but actually having, having an opportunity to, to, be, to, to, to say what you think, um, because of course it isn't always the noisy people that have the most to say in terms of value. It can sometimes be the quieter voices that have, have more to contribute. So, so that the, when I used to work in American companies, far more our decision-making was, really sitting around a table, having a conversation with people around the table. And, and at the end of the conversation, the person at the end of the table, the boss would say, okay, heard everything. This is what we're gonna do 90 days you know, to, to, to implement it. And then we'll come back and review it and see how we're doing. And then we decide kind of how to proceed from there. You know, in, in, a, in a Japanese culture, you're much more likely to have a conversation like that. And then a little while later, you'll come back and have a similar conversation again. Because in that time, you've shared ideas, shared views, and then you've gone out and you've talked to other people to get a broader range of views through the organization. And then you come back and you share and you reach a consensus. And ultimately, obviously, somebody makes a decision if they have to. Um, But overall, it's much more about reaching decisions together. But once you've reached the decision, the key difference for me is you've got buy-in from people. So when you start, you haven't then got to go back and, and necessarily change direction because you've got everybody bought into where you're going. Um, so because it's not perfect, it doesn't work every time, no system ever does, but it is much more of a, a, a system, an approach where you try to get buy-in. So harmony doesn't mean being nice to people and let's, you know, let's all sort of um, uh, just simply get on, get on together for the sake of getting on together. Um, it's more about saying, okay, I respect your view, I'll listen to your view, we'll take that into account. But then when we've got, a, when we've got to the end of all of that, we then agree to move forward together it doesn't matter if that's if where we move is different from what we originally thought the fact is we've now as a team got our direction let's get on with it together and we make it happen together so it's kind of just a different decision making process Uh, three things stuck out um one was patience actually right we move very quickly i'm going to just say north america you know okay we're in this you know and, and it's funny because the structure sometimes isn't helpful what i mean by that is you can enter a uh, a meeting and say the outcome is to make a decision today, but then you're forcing this thing to to decide. It sounds like you guys have found some harmony. I'm going to use the word harmony to say, no, let's let's have a discussion. Let's 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 spend the fine. We're here for an hour. Let's see how far we get, and then let's take these ideas, these concepts, go have discussions with whoever, different stakeholders. Let's come back. Let's see if we can find consensus. Consensus and and certainly because we've had the time to do this, there's uh, you what what I heard you say was we have stronger buy-in. Right. Am I am I getting it right? Yeah. No, I think that, that that's a good characterization of it, Ron. And of course, yeah, you know, there are situations where you can't do that. You've got to make a quicker decision and you've got to move on. Yeah, you, know, you can't take the pandemic as an example. You know, when, when when we had lockdowns, you couldn't sit around a table thinking about it for a while. You kind of had to act and say, okay. You know, we're now going to change. We're going to work from home. We're going to do do certain things differently. But if you have more time to get to get buy-in and, and consensus, then you typically have, a, in, in our experience, a stronger a, a, a stronger process to move it forward from that from that point. But I guess 
you know, as organizations, we need to be flexible enough to do what, what's required in the situation that we're in. Um, if you haven't got the luxury of time, then you need to move more quickly. That's a great point. So yeah, right. Some decisions you're under the pressure cooker, you need to move. You don't have that luxury. So, but let's put right. those aside. Those are the common sense ones. I, I, I it's interesting because I'm going back to a, a situation. We were just building out our, our company KPIs, our key performance indicators. And we were just, we were frustrated with each other. We couldn't, you know, it was like, we were trying to get these baked in one meeting and we just couldn't get there. And then it was a second meeting. We couldn't get there in the second meeting. And uh, you know, as you were talking, I was reflecting on this. I think it was really helpful that we took more time because even for myself, it got easier as I went back and it was like looking at a puzzle and say, well, of course that piece goes in the corner, right? Your third time looking at the puzzle. What, what do you think we can do better as leaders to, to make that happen? Like, is it just, is it as easy as just communicating and say, Hey, we don't have a pressure cooker. Let's, you know, let's not try to get this baked in today. Let's, let's, it's okay. We're giving everyone permission that let's advance it as much as we can and then pause. What, what should we do to be more like that Japanese structure? I love it. How do we, how do we embrace that? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. Uh, and of course, it, trying, trying to combine the two cultures could, could give you a, a great outcome. Uh, if you can find the right way through it, I think it's probably around expectations, to be honest, to say, look, you know, we want to hear your views, guys. You know, say say what you think, and and one of the frustrations of, of sitting around that that table and having the conversation, saying we want a decision today, is does everybody get a chance to say what they really think and what they really feel, or if their boss is sitting there, do they think I can't really say that because I disagree with my boss and they've just said something, so I can't say something else. So right. he's giving that permission and giving a little more time, potentially to say, okay, go get used to it, because isn't you know isn't it always easier to create change if people have more time to think about it and say okay i've become more used to the idea and you know gradually you you get you get things to move in any context not just in the work context uh, and so taking that time to say okay we'll come back and talk about it again also you know getting getting views from outside say okay right. you know, our, the, these are our views but let's ask somebody else what do they think you know go and ask some of the some of our staff go and ask some of our other stakeholders you know, go and ask our customers what do they think is important yeah, you know, I mean, you think that logically, so let's assume that you have, uh, you know, people feel comfortable enough to have the conversations, so they're going to have healthy debate. But then the second piece of what you're saying, of course, you, you know, you, logically, you think you 10x a decision, because every pro if there was 10 people in the room that then talked to two or three or more, you know, in, in other individuals, customers, key stakeholders, of course, they're going to come back with something different. Right. And so I, I, I love that. I, I think that, uh, I think as I look in the mirror, we need to be more thoughtful and not frustrated. Like, ah, we need another meeting. Yeah, we didn't get it today. I think we just have to be a little more uh, kind and um, patient uh, with the conversation to know that that's the right process. Mm -hmm. If you're not under the pressure cooker to take a little more time, I think it makes perfect sense. I think that should be adopted. I think that that, that that's wonderful. Anything else that stands out that that you think, yeah, this is a little different. That was great. I, I think that the the, um, the focus on respect for the individual and just just the difference really and, and, and accepting accepting difference and encouraging encouraging that those sort of different different views because wherever we come from we don't necessarily have the, the right say the right answer um, so it is that uh, uh, encouragement if you like of, of different people to, to contribute. Um, rather than necessarily just the people that have the strongest views or the strongest personalities. 
And Stephen, how do you bring it out? So is there a process or is it just a cultural thing that they would speak up because they feel comfortable because it's either in the Japanese culture, you know, like, like, how do you, how do you bring that out of someone? Because I'm, I'm still going to assume that if I join the company today, there's a process to make me feel comfortable to grab my view, you know, otherwise I might not, I might not say anything. Yeah, because you talk outside the meeting as well as inside the meeting. So you talk in a safer context. I think that's the, that's the key. If you're forcing to make yourselves to make a decision in a meeting, inevitably you can only make it with the people there based on what they say. So I, th I think it's just having permission to say, okay, we'll talk outside the meeting too and get, get other views um, outside the meeting as well as within it. And it's just taking that, that time over it rather than saying we've got to be time limited in what we do. Got it. And so, so let's talk, you know, we're, we're now in, geez, I, now I was up in the middle of the night last night. So I'm just trying to think of what, I don't even know the actual date today, but I'm, I assume we're in November. <laughs> it's hard with three kids. Um, so tell me about how the company's changed, you know, during the pandemic, what did it look like before and what's it look like now? Yeah. I mean, it's been a really, a really fundamental time of change for I guess for all of us wherever we are whatever we're doing because of of the pandemic um, and the effect it's had on 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 lives I guess um, globally Ron but I think the from from our point of view um, within Itachi Europe uh, and others had similar experience we were kind of recognizing there was a pandemic coming we'd have to think about working remotely because we recognize the need to, to kind of keep people keep people safe um, and so we prepared to go and have a trial day working remotely. Um, and then the announcement of lockdown came and we went back to the office a year and a half later. So, you know, we went from a culture which really said you'd be in the office pretty much all the time to a culture where you weren't in the office at all. Um, and then we, we're, we obviously we've emerged from that. Um, sorry, sorry, Stephen, uh, quick yeah, question. Sorry to interrupt. What did you see from a productivity standpoint? high level was it better worse same what did it look like pretty much the same yeah the same the same okay yeah, yeah, sorry yeah. continue yeah no sure um and, and on that i think part of that was because a lot of what we do is 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 interacting with with colleagues around the world and in fact strangely enough i see more of my colleagues around the world now than i did before the pandemic because we've now got teams and we've got zoom and we've got you know the other tools and i see them on on a video screen on my pc screen every day right before right. that you may have a call or a video conference which was kind of all had to be set up with equipment and everything else or you'd have to travel or you'd have to travel right yeah um and, and now we talk all the time and we've become as a world, as a, as, a, as a business community, not just in my company, very good at it because it's right. kind of how, how we do business now. So, so we went from from being in the office to not being in the office, and now emerging emerging from that, trying to work out you know, what is the right balance um, between being in the office and not not being in the office, um, and how do we how do we capture the best of what we had before, combine it with the best of what we've learned to create something better for the future. I mean, I think for me, that is a real challenge that we all face right now. Uh, and what do you think? What do you think the answer to that is? Or will, you know, oh, I wish I knew I'd be writing books. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I think, to be honest with you, I think we're still learning. Um, right. And, and I know some companies have come out and said, this is our model for the future. Kind of, this is what you need to do. Personally, I, I, I think that we, we are still learning what is the right balance between those what what we had and where we want to be and i kind of think about it sometimes i think you know what if if as a business community three years ago we had all got together and said 
let's change our business model. So we ask everybody to work at home two days a week and everybody come in the office three days a week and get a bit of balance for everybody. Of course, it could never have happened. But if we'd have done that, I imagine most people across most organizations would say, that's great. I get two days at home every week, three days in the office, brilliant. Now we're coming at it a different way, of course. We come here to where people have been at home almost all the time. And then we're saying, we want you back in the office day a week, two days a week, three days a week. You're breaking suddenly, a new habit now. Now yeah, you have to break exactly. a new habit. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We went from one way of working to a completely new habit um, overnight. And uh, so you, it shows, of course, you can only start from where people are, not where you'd like them to be. And people are in a situation globally where right. they've been used to working flexibly, remotely, um, with all the benefit that that, that, that brings. And when, during, the, um, during the pandemic, when I was uh, talking to, to some people around kind of where the, what the challenges we were facing, I kind of characterized it as what I called FOMO versus photo. FOMO was fear of missing out compared to photo fear of the office, F-O-T-O. Oh, um, cool. Right? Yeah. So, so what we wanted to try and do as we got back into the office was to ensure that we minimize fear of the office. And of course, it isn't just about fear. It's about the inconvenience of commuting and all those things now but also the fear of missing out needed to be stronger. So how can we make the office look attractive? A place you wanna to be to connect with people. Um, and getting back to, to the office, we talked about and, and communicated how we needed to focus on purpose because actually getting into an office, getting, getting back out of your home office where you, people have become very um, comfortable and familiar with working um, and, and productive, I'm recognizing there are clear purposes to being together again, and it's maximizing those. And some of those are, are more obvious than others. So if you have to meet a customer, you potentially need to be in the same place as them. Um, if you need to you know, welcome somebody new to your team and help them train, you need to be in the same place as them. And, and all but others, team meetings, training, you know, team briefings, one-to-one, uh, performance review sessions or whatever there's a whole range of reasons why you may want to be in the in the same place but a lot of it's less tangible it's being at the coffee machine chatting to somebody having conversation sharing information yeah look i agree and look this comes up on the podcast quite a bit i, I still feel the same way i you know that i have which is we're back to change management right yeah. and you, you glazed on that which is you have to change. I have a new behavior. I'm comfortable in my home. I've got my sweatpants on and I can go get a piece of toast and mm -hmm. take a break and use my toilet, whatever, whatever I want, you know, and to get me out of this change, you know, I think the message, I think there's two things. I think people are moving too quickly, large corps. And, and I, I don't disagree on the strategy, but I, as I watch objectively, they're moving too quickly to, you should come back because this is important to the company versus Hey, Stephen, let's talk about you. Let's let's talk about you as an individual, how this might benefit you. I just think that message is still missing because it does need to happen one-on-one. -on -one. And, and, you know, I think very quickly, there's some logic. I think that, you know, people that are 45 plus recognize that they they are missing a sense of belonging. And so they're, they're, they're running into a little bit of burnout. Younger people don't realize that. They don't know why they're burning out. And, they, and it is a lack of human connectivity. I, I see it. I think it's... I think so. So, and then the other thing is for the, the younger groups, but the skill building you can't get yet. I think I would argue it'd be hard to become a really strong leader over zoom. I just think it would be really hard. It's going to be yeah. 10 times the work. So then your colleague beats you for the promotion because, you know, and so I, I don't know, what are your thoughts? Are we missing the, the, the slow play back to having patience of the in the individual conversations because the blanket 
never works. The blanket of, you know, you should come back for this reason. Well, it doesn't work for everybody. What, do you, what are your thoughts? Sure. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you that, that one person's purpose and reason is different from, a, from another. Yeah, I was, uh, I was talking to a friend of mine outside the company a while ago, and I was talking about this moving back to the office on a purpose-based um, kind of basis. And, and I talked through the purposes that I'd seen, and, and he said, but none of those apply to me, Steve. Um, so what's what's my purpose then? And that's a great question. Thankfully, yeah. it doesn't work for Itachi, but but you know it is it is in a different sector. But it's uh is it is a key question to to recognise the need to 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 motivate people to come back. But you know there are some I think there are some situations where you need people together. I think collaboration and innovation are much stronger if you're in the same place or team Agreed. building or you know it, it because. I know some have, have, have had um, different experiences, but I've never really had a good hybrid meeting where you have some people sitting at home, some people in the office. You're sitting at home, right? You've got your, t you've got your video screen, your, your computer screen, you know, and you've got it, the office is one little box and, it, and everybody in it is like, it's so small. You can't see anybody. You, could, right. you can't really be part of it in the same way. So you know, there are times where you want to be together in the same place and that gives you, that gives you value. But let's go to that conversation because I hear that a lot. I hear I hear a lot of companies, and I don't I don't disagree. I I agree logically you're going to get better collaboration. But let's go back to what's in it for me. I'm in this little box because I do think I agree with your friend. You know, I just think that as humans, we're kind of like, no, I'm I I like working from home. My productivity is the same. What do you need from me? You know, and what's in it for me? And so, but you know, I I do think there's some there. Like like for instance, that conversation. If this was a meeting that I was managing and and you were in the small box. I could I could see myself following up to say, hey, you know, I felt that um, because you weren't at the office and you were on Zoom for that meeting, Stephen, your voice wasn't really heard. I felt you were a little quieter, and I'd love to hear more of you. And I th I think you your voice would be heard more coming to the office. Like, you know, I need to kind of scratch your ego a little bit here. I you know I do I just think that um, yeah I just think as companies we need to be more patient with the and thoughtful about the change that we're requesting. Cause it always, the message always comes back to collectively it's better for the company. It's better. There is a lot of that, you know, I, I believe. Yeah, sure. And I think you have to find the right balance between the needs of the company and the need of the, of the staff, of course. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and recognizing that you're going to take account kind of both of those. I mean, you, you, you talked about kind of some, the, the, maybe the, the, those further on in their career, you know, they maybe got a comfortable house with plenty of space, family around, you know, and, and maybe a longer commute. And they built their social capital. So why do they need to be in the office? But of course, younger people might be at an earlier stage of their career. Um, they they may, may actually value being in the office, learning from those other people. Um, so you've got to be there together to make that happen. So you've got to be careful also, I think, which group you listen to, but recognize that that, that needs are different in, in, um, in emerging from this. Absolutely. We had a, a senior HR leader from Uber and ask him the question, because, uh, you know, Elon Musk's come out and said, get back to the office. And actually, he, he actually, he said something different. He said, we believe that depending on your role, and I didn't dive too deep into that part of the discussion, but, but what he was really saying was, look, if you're a coder and you're just coding away, do it from your basement. No problem. You're not collaborating on the code or whatever. Like, you know, if you're an accountant, you're just doing the payables and you're, you're doing data entry. Do you really need to be into the office or is it, are you more productive? You get an extra, you know, hour and a half of work in the morning and at night. I don't know. I, I assume those people could be more productive. So, you know, I, I do think there's some logic saying, well, what are you doing exactly? Right. Sure. Uh, you know, a leader, you're, you're not going to be as effective on zoom. You're just not, you know, I don't, I don't believe.
No, I, I agree with you. No, I, I agree. And yeah, I, I think sometimes that the, the presence can drive purpose as well as purpose driving presence. Right. Uh, actually, Ron, because if you are in the office, if you are in the same place, you can and have conversations you weren't expecting. You can bump into people you haven't seen for a while and share information or whatever. You know, it, that's partly being human, I think. You know, I've had a, a few meetings recently. We've, we've had a few um, in-person meetings for, for various various topics. And it's been great being in a room full of people again. It's just I been agree. fantastic. Because no, you, you chat before you start. You chat over a coffee as well. You can talk over a dinner in the evening or whatever it is. But it's, it's just, you know, getting a chance to connect again. Because you can't have those conversations on, on Teams or, or, or on Zoom or whatever. You have the meeting. You know, it finishes at the the top of the hour and then you go to the next meeting and then in the next one right. because that's kind of how it works you lose that human touch i think absolutely i think i think two things um one you know we were i'll call it unorthodox before the pandemic so it was you know work from home work from wherever you want and but people were coming into the office and then the new habit became of no one coming actually that was quite different for me so then you know exactly to your point those small conversations weren't happening which the underlying outcome of that is relationship and trust building that just doesn't happen then because you don't really build relationships in that meeting we did our business and move on i'm not really building trust here until trust comes from that water cooler hey david you know how was your week not good you know i i you know i've got uh this dog my dog's sick and we can't figure it out and i say oh my aunt's a vet let me connect you boom we're starting to build trust i've got your back it's these little things that don't happen on these you know on zooms right and so we doubled down on trust building, really said, let's actually put some intention um, around building relationships. And so one of our KPIs for everybody was picking three people that you didn't have strong relationships with and, and doing things with them. Go for a coffee, go for a walk. And I'll tell you, that really started, you could feel the stickiness coming back. It was really yeah. nice. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and, that, and that's about being human. And let's say that's what those are the human connections, which are, which are great and which we've lost you know, uh, yeah. through, the, through the pandemic. But back to your point about, about leaders um, and, and how we work. One interesting thing I've heard from leaders is when they go to the office, they say, I get so much less done. And what they mean is they can't do meeting after meeting on Zoom or whatever. They can't kind of get into their emails because people keep coming to talk to them, which, of course, is the whole purpose of being there. You know, you want that to happen. Um, so, so, you know, the days I will go to the office, I don't have it full of other meetings because I want to be able to talk to people. I want to be available for them to come and you know, look around the door and say, Steve, can we have a chat? You know, because you can't easily do that when you're on, on, on Zoom or Teams. You know what? That's a great, that's a great strategy, Stephen, is don't go to the office when you have a, a, a you know, I'm not saying don't, but I love the strategy of not going maybe when you have, uh, when you've got meetings booked all, all day, because then you're back to the, you know, I'll call it the, the methodology that we, we were all trained for before, which is don't bug the don't, you know, that do you got a minute that was really disruptive. Mm -hmm. Don't do that. Now we need more of the, do you have a minutes, right? Like that's we what, what we need that. So, so I love that. So look, as we wrap, what's, uh, what else is going on? What's, what's next? What, what is a big mountain that Hitachi's got to, uh, you know, climb over and, and um, yeah, what are the things you're thinking about? Yeah, well, of course, it, it, there's always another challenge, and, and uh, we've been globalizing over the my, my 14 years here. You know, when we started, and when I started, that one of the big challenges was to get more than 50% of our business in terms of revenue and people outside Japan. That's happened. Uh, we now got almost 60% of our people outside Japan, which is fantastic. But that brings whole new opportunities to 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 develop the the, the community of HR leadership to look at what we can do together, what we can share. Um, 
and it, and also continue to build that 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 platform of of HR systems using the same grading surveys, uh, having a vacancy database, so that should we get out there to the world and say we are Itachi. You mentioned at the beginning, you know, kind of how people think of Itachi. Um, but you know, say so Itachi is everywhere in, in in around us, but people don't know that, and, and the way we communicate doing that together is far stronger than by division and so on. So it, we have we've have, we have an Itachi University now for online learning. So we've had so much change around globalizing and standardizing the way that we support HR and and, and deliver HR. Um, so that's a focus still. Talent management is a, is a key area for us as well. How do we continue to attract, um, develop? Uh, and also move people around in a complex organization where you've got people in different countries and different businesses and that that that's that but you have a lot of opportunities but we can't always connect people with opportunity and how do we do that well and the whole um, diversity and inclusion equity agenda too so you know right. the challenge never stops and that's yeah. the that's the great thing about working for a company like this did you did you have the same workforce challenges in japan as north america had and do you continue to have those challenges trying to get employees yeah it's it, it varies by country but typically you know my my uh, focus is mainly on europe and we see that issue across across the piece here yeah yeah the availability so a, of, of, of talent continues to be a challenge for us i'm curious where's where's it least challenging where, where is it kind of like look we don't have the challenges in this country where's where it least challenging uh, from your perspective I, I haven't got i haven't got any of those no it's 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 the case in to varying extents everywhere yeah i mean okay. there's no there's no there's no situations where it isn't the case for various reasons obviously not least because of the, the pandemic and and all that's done to workforces but there's a whole other discussion i guess isn't it yeah i you know where i was going with that was if there was if there was like wow in the netherlands we don't have it well then why what's going on there like yeah. i'm just more curious if, if if there's something that we're missing uh, that that a country's doing, or I don't know, was there an underlying fundamental thing that was different that that uh, made it so someone didn't have that chance? Well, that's great. Well, look, Stephen, I really enjoyed uh, uh, the discussion. Thanks so much for for dropping and joining us today. You've been a, a fantastic guest. I've got a full page of notes and things to think about, and I love. Uh, you know, I just love that decision making piece. I'm I'm certainly going to take that back. I feel like we forced it before and just it happened naturally and we can soften it uh, on discussions, decisions that, that that don't have a pressure cooker. So thanks for sharing that. Great. No, thank you, Ron. It's been a pleasure. For more information about Stephen, please follow him on LinkedIn. To learn more about our books or our Scaling Culture Masterclass on how to build and sustain a resilient, high performing team, please go to scalingculture.org. And lastly, if you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a comment and share the podcast with one of your friends or colleagues. We'll be back soon with another incredible guest.